So we're going to do a few announcements before we get started. The first thing we're going to do is a little exercise to get y'all warmed up. need everybody to take your elbow like this and nudge the person next to you. Give them a little nudge, nudge. Now, that's mostly for the married couples out there. We're talking about marriage today, but that way you get all your nudging out now. Uh, so when we, when we get to the good stuff, I don't want to see any nudging out there, okay? Got it? All right, let's see. Oh, next, PSA, Barrett says hello. Uh, he told me to tell you that a couple of days before he left, but it still counts. Now, the cool thing is, uh, so Barrett and the team are in Africa this week. They're there today. Today's Sunday, but they're, they're like six hours ahead, right? So think about this. When church started, I'll say this, there's no like time restraints as far as church goes. In Africa, you're pretty much free to stay as long as you want and preach as long as you want. So the cool thing is that Barrett's sermon started six hours before mine, but we'll get done at the same time. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of cool. It's one of those mind-boggling things with world travel. Um, I think that's all the preview announcements I had. So like I said, we're talking about marriage today. We're going through Ephesians, continuing our design sermon. Uh, we're on page 66 in your guide if you have it. Uh, go ahead and get your pens warmed up because... Uh, especially married couples, you're going you to have a lot to write down today. Now, I know you're thinking, okay, what if I'm not married? I promise there's still a lot that we're going to talk about today that is applicable to your life. So don't check out uh, students, young people. Uh, it, it's okay. There's, there's things that we're going to discuss today that are specific to married couples, but we're going to see how that transitions and applies into all walks, all types of life. So it's going to be good. Buckle up. Are you ready? Good. All right, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33, if you want to go ahead and turn there. We've been walking through Ephesians. Uh, how many weeks has it been, Robbie? 10? 12. Right? 12 total, right? No, no, no. It's, uh, 14. 14 total. Wow. So it's been 12 weeks in Ephesians. Is that right? I don't know. I thought it was 12. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie doesn't. He just works here, you know. So... Uh, <laughs> so I thought it had been 10 weeks. It's been 12 weeks. 12 weeks through Ephesians. So we've seen uh, just a huge, uh, I guess, what would you say, variety of things, topics that we've looked at from just the goodness of God, the grace of God, how he works in our lives, how he's, he's predestined us before the foundations of the world to work in our lives, to do great things. We've seen that even though that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that God's rich mercy has come into our hearts, come into our lives, transforms us, makes us new. The past three weeks, we've taken a, uh, is it too close? Okay, so the past three weeks, we've taken a more like practical look. We've talked about unity in the church. We've talked about uh, being imitators of God. We've also talked about uh, being renewed in our hearts and lives. So the what I like about Ephesians is that it it kind of breaks down into two categories, what you need to know about God. And that's really the first uh, three chapters where we see just the character of God, what he does in our lives and how it changes our hearts, how he ultimately changes every aspect of our person and our spirit because of the grace that uh, renews us, sanctifies us. But the, the second half of the book, we go from what you need to know to what you need to do. So, uh, for, you may not know this, for six weeks I was an art teacher. Uh, 
I got fired. Not really. <laughs> uh, I'll give you details if, later if you want to know. But the kids would always ask. They'd say, Mr. K, what in the world are we going to use this for? And I'd say, well, I don't know. Uh, I'm just here for six weeks. But <laughs> uh, the good thing about Ephesians is that Paul says this is what you need to know, chapters 1 through 3, and this is why. This is what you need to do because you live your life according to what God has done. This is how you live. This is what you need to do. So this is an extremely practical book, and I'm a big fan of practicality because it's easy. You know, you don't have to think a lot. It's just, this is it. It's practical. It's straightforward. It's right there, and you can grab it. Grab hold of it. So the goal today is grab hold of how God has designed marriage to look. So before we continue uh, into reading our text, you know, we've been doing interviews, but Barrett said it might be a little weird if I interviewed Courtney or we just did a self-interview because, you know, you can just ask easy questions. But if I, it's just me up here. I can, tell, I can say anything I want. <laughs> uh, so a little background. Courtney is my wife back there uh, with the blonde hair. Um, if you were here last week, then I'm sure you remember our oldest son, Crew. Uh, boy, that was, that was fun. And uh, our second son, Gray, uh, so they're back in the nursery. Me, Courtney, and I will have been married for six years in March. And, man, I'm telling you, it goes by quick. We're going to be 85 before we know it. Uh, but I think I'm ready. <laughs> I'm feeling it, you know. <laughs> I got up this morning. I was like, man, I'm old. Uh, anywho, so, uh, you know, in the almost six years that we've been married, we've learned a lot. You know, we've come a long way from, uh, you know, kids in college just getting married and being young and living free and loving life, you know, uh, but, you know, now as parents and, uh, you know, you see so much of, of change in life in just a, a short time, but we've learned so much about God's faithfulness and God's goodness and how, uh, you know, if you pursue God in your life, in your marriage, you really see how he works and how he uh, just allows things to happen, how he pushes you forward. Now, not to say that we're perfect, because uh, by the time we get to the end of the message, you might think, oh, Will, you got some work to do. Now, now Courtney, she's pretty close. Uh, <laughs> the pastor at our the church we used to go to, every time I see him, he's like, Will, you know that if you look up married up in the dictionary, your face is right there. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. There, there was one time I got a little nervous uh, when I went to ask Courtney's dad, Mr. Keith, uh, you know, to propose. Uh, you know, that's what you do. So I, I said, Mr. Keith, is it okay if I propose to Courtney? And he said, propose what? You know, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but we made it. We got, you know, we're good. So six years later, we're here. We're rocking and rolling. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, if you are there, that's awesome. I'm going to read the text, and uh, then we're going to dive in. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives 
as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray before we continue. God, we just thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, uh, Lord, just for the time of worship. Uh, Lord, you are good. You are holy. You are uh, full of grace. And we're just so thankful to be in your presence this morning. And uh, God, our hearts are open. We pray that you just speak to us. God, fill us with what we need to know and how we can apply it to our lives. Thank you for this time. And uh, Lord, just again, speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. So, Ephesians chapter 5. You ready? Got your pens? First things first, you know you like to hear it, it's core truth time. Y'all ready? (laughs) Hit it, PowerPoint team. They said to do spirit fingers when I need a slide, so here we go. Core truth, marriage is God's practical picture for how the gospel permeates our relationships. I'll say it one more time. Marriage is God's practical picture for how the gospel permeates our relationships. I, I was looking out there, but then I remembered there's a giant TV right here beside me. This is great. Uh, so, one more time. Marriage is God's practical picture for how the gospel permeates our relationships. Notice it says relationships. It's a, applicable to multiple relationships, multiple interactions with people. So, it's, it's an example for all of us. So, the first thing we're going to look at is for the wives. Now, there's a reason why I think you saved the husbands for a second. It's because you got to talk to them a little bit longer. Uh, so, <laughs> Paul says uh, in 522, uh, wives, sub- oops, lost my page. Oops, oops. Here we go. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, a lot of times we look at the word submit and it kind of like, hmm, you know, it gives a little chills like, no, I don't like that word, submit. Uh, It's just negative. And, you know, we live in a culture where it's it's all about me and self-promotion, and I got to get what I got to get, and I'm going to make it, and I'm going to not stop till I get there. Uh, But here, I want you to see that submission is not a bad thing. It's not a bad word. It's there because this is how God designed marriage. God designed marriage for the wife to be submissive to the husband. You say, well, why is that? Why can't it be the other way around? So what we're going to do, take a little field trip to what I call the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 in verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had made and formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to man. 
Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So you see, from the foundation. Now remember, marriage is the first human relationship that God ever designed, ever ordained. Uh, So that's also key to remember. We'll get to that later on. That's just a little preview nugget. Uh, But woman was taken out of man. So God designed man to be the head of the relationship. Man was first, and the woman came out of man second as a helper. So you see that God's purpose in the wife being submissive is not a bad thing, but really when it comes to play out, it's a beautiful thing. The submission uh, is, is a key word where the wife is not uh, you know, negatively looked upon or looked upon as a servant, but it's a combination that creates a beautiful perspective in the relationship when it's done to completion. Now, that's not to say that there are going to be times where the, the wife has to, you know, put her husband in his place, you know. Uh, so, tell you a little story. Back in the day, my grandma, now every time we go over to my grandma's house, uh, she always has homemade food. Everything's homemade from the noodles to the oranges. I don't know how she does it. But <laughs> so, everything's homemade except the biscuits at breakfast. And man, we spent years just like, well, you know, Pillsbury it is. Thanks, Grandma. We finally, <laughs> we finally asked. We said, Mama, why do you make canned biscuits? And she's like, well, back when we first got married, me and your grandpa, I had attempted to make homemade biscuits. And I burned them a little bit. And, you know, he, he got all husbandly and encouraging and was, you know, making fun of her biscuits. And so she said, I will, I will never make homemade biscuits again. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many years ago that was, but it's probably, oh, 60 years of Pillsbury biscuits because <laughs> the husband wasn't acting right. Now, <laughs> see, that, that's okay. It's okay. Uh, you know, women, if, if your husband's giving you grief about your cooking, just get him a frozen pizza. He'll be all right. <laughs> but on a spiritual level, uh, submission is important. Submission is God's design, and it's how he wants a marriage to look. Uh, some verses here that you can uh, just point to. Again, Genesis 2, 18 through 23, we see how marriage is founded, how God designed it to look. Uh, but we see in Genesis chapter 3, 16, if you fast forward a little bit, y'all know what happened, right? There was the creation, there was the uh, establishment of man and woman, of marriage, but then something happened. There was sin that entered into the lives of Adam and Eve, and so because of that sin, there was a consequence. So look at Genesis three sixteen. Uh, this is as God is speaking to the serpent, to Adam, and to Eve, saying this is going to be the consequence for the sin that you have in your life. He says, To the woman, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So now where it says your desire shall be for your husband, I want you to understand that that's talking about submission context, that the because of sin, the wife is going to desire to not be submissive. So it's natural uh, for your tendency to, to be, I don't want to submit. That's God is saying because sin, because of the fault in the world, because we are no longer perfect, there's a natural tendency to not be submissive. And I, I mean, I know I feel it in other relationships. Uh, you know, it, it's there that we tend to want to honor ourselves first. Uh, we tend to focus 
on our, ourselves because you know we're we're born selfish. You, we uh, with with crew and gray, we we try to promote sharing and friendliness and all that good stuff. But uh, man, it's crazy how hard it is. But some of the the doctors that we know they, they were saying that sharing is a, a four year old skill. But man, I think sharing is like a ninety year old skill because I, I don't even like to do it. So, uh, so submission is it's not normal for anybody, but God says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, he says, as to the Lord, speaking to uh, a picture of how you should submit. So the question we ask is, why do we submit to God? Well, we submit to God because what he's done for us. God is our redeemer. God's our savior. God is the one who has ultimately changed our lives. You know, he's made us new. He's brought us from dead to alive. So we submit to God because he's the authority in our lives. Now, I know this is going to sound like a strange concept, but we think about God as our redeemer. So wives are to think about their husbands ultimately as their redeemer. And that may sound like, huh, what, my husband? No, uh, yeah, he's, he's got work to do. I know that's what some of you are thinking. Brandy, I hope you're not thinking that. Y'all have only been married two weeks, so y'all. <laughs> Anthony this morning said, we survived two weeks of marriage. So <laughs> I hope you're taking notes, buddy. Uh, but we see, uh, turn over to Matthew uh, 26, uh, where we see just an example of how Jesus was submissive to the Father in his life. Uh, so Matthew 26, verse 26 uh, it says, this is going into the Lord's Supper. Uh, and just the picture that Jesus makes here uh, as they take, as he took with his disciples that final meal, uh, he, he says in verse 26, take, eat, this is my body. And he goes on to say, uh, and he, he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood and the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. So we see the, the relationship between the disciples and Jesus as the Redeemer. But I also want you to see the relationship between Jesus and the Father. Uh, if you fast forward down uh, just a little bit in chapter 26 to verse 39, you see where um, Jesus is alone in the garden uh, just before he was crucified. Uh, and he says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So I want you to see the, the picture of submission generates from the relationship between God the Father and God the Son and, the, and between Jesus and us. So submission is not a bad thing. It, it's, it's foundational to everything that we believe. If, if Jesus can say to his Father, not as I will, but as you will, and you think about the weight in that moment, uh, knowing that that he was going to his death, a, a terrible death that you can't even imagine, uh, just that ultimate and perfect act of submission that we see in Jesus. And uh, even the act of submission that we see in the disciples as they took his words and what he taught them and carried it out to build his church. And they, when they, every time they took that Lord's Supper, they remembered this is the body of Christ, the one who gave his life for us, the redeemer for our sins. So, Submission, all centers around that uh, you know, godly relationship of giving up because there's one who you owe everything to. Now, I know that it, it comes off a little strange. I owe everything to my husband, but I want you to 
just to have a picture of what that you know, looks like practically. If, if you're familiar with the story of Ruth, you know that Ruth was a Moabite woman. She married into an Israelite family. She had a sister who also married into the same family. But then there was a time where everybody's husband just died. So it was the mother-in-law and then Ruth and her sister left alone. And Ruth committed to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and go back to Judah. So in the Old Testament times, the, when women were alone, when they had become widowed, it was typical for another family member to come in and take care of them. It's called the kin, kinsman redeemer. Uh, but for Ruth and Naomi, they found themselves in a place of struggle, found themselves in a place of hardship where Ruth would literally go out into the fields and follow behind the reapers and you know, stoop over and pick up the leftover barley grain just to have enough to eat. Uh, and so we see Boaz, the owner of the field, he noticed Ruth and he said, you know, who's that girl? And uh, as he saw her, her act of submission to, to take care of her mother-in-law, to take care of her family, uh, you know, we see how Boaz's heart trans- transferred into saying, I want to redeem her. I want to be her kinsman redeemer. I want her in her struggle to come into my home, come into my life. And I want to be the provider for her. I want to take care of her. So we see how in, in Ruth's submission that Boaz came in and, and took her life as his own and uh, provided for her and loved her, cherished her so that Ruth's life was no longer uh, depicted by going through fields just to have enough to feel uh, just a little bit satisfied uh, from hunger to eating at his table, to being full, to being nourished and cherished. And so just grab hold of that picture and, and say, okay, in my life, how is my husband my redeemer? And, and look at it from the perspective, not of submission uh, in a negative context, but in the context of what is my husband doing for me? How is he giving up for me? And, and how do I submit to that? And so that kind of takes us into how the husbands are to relate to the wives. So the, the wives submit as, you know, as Ruth submitted to Boaz, as Jesus submitted to the Father, as the disciples submitted to Jesus, Ruth, or wives are submissive. So what do the husbands do? And, uh, you know, a lot of times guys, they think, man, my, I got a wife that's submissive. Make me a sandwich, you know? Like, <laughs> cook, clean, and wash the blue jeans, right? That's a, we uh, kind of take that out of context sometimes and, and you know, Men, in a, I think in a state of selfishness, kind of abuse that, uh, that word sometimes that the wife is supposed to be submissive because the husbands are supposed to lead. So uh, you go back into uh, Ephesians 5. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might fully sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Husbands, love your wives. How do you love your wives? Paul's saying, guys, I know you need a picture because if I just tell you this, you're not going to remember it. So, okay, so how do you love your wives? As Christ loved the church. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but those are big shoes to fill. That's not, a, that's not an easy love like you love a you know, dog. Dogs are easy to love because they're fluffy. And like last night, you know, I thought, like, when did we get Sherpa line sheets? And then you wake up and there's a dog on your head. And it's like, what? <laughs> so... You know, dogs are, are great because they're just cuddly, but it's it's not a sacrificial love because, you know, when our dogs do something bad, I just 
kick him out the door and that's it. Uh, but for a husband-wife relationship, it's different because it's a sacrificial love. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What does that look like? How did Christ love the church? Well, we know that Christ gave his life, gave his body, gave himself for the purpose of redeeming the church, for the purpose of sanctifying our hearts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have eternal life. So we know that God gave up his life. So what Paul is saying is, husbands, give up your life for your wife. You know, a lot of times in the, in the marriage circle, you think about getting married, you're close to getting married. I know some of y'all students out there, I can see it in your eyes. Just a little bit of glow, like, I'm about to get married, but nobody knows, but I'm thinking about it. Uh-huh, I see it, I see it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, giving up your life. But when you think about marriage, sometimes as a, you know, as you're young, you're giddy, and it, it doesn't, it's, you know, it's all love and roses and, and cuddles. You're just happy. You just, you know, it's like, I just love this person. And, it, you know, you don't, you haven't really encountered any, like, deep issues. So it's, it, you know, the giving up part doesn't really register. But I think a lot of times when we come into a relationship or come into a marriage, most of the thought is, okay, what am I going to get out of this? You know, what do I gain from marriage? Uh, you know, like when Courtney and I got married, she had a Mustang, 2005 green Mustang. I'm like, man, we're going to get married. I'm going to drive that all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> that wasn't the only reason, but... Uh, <laughs> So, you know, we look at it as selfishly, like, okay, what do I get out of this marriage? But I want, as, as husbands, you think about what can you, what, how are you giving up your life for your wife? And it's, it's not, uh, it's not, again, it's not a natural thing. It's not natural to submit. It's not natural to say, I'm going to give up my desires to be the, the provider, be the redeemer for my wife. And a lot of times we look at the wife and say, Man, she's got a submission problem, you know. He's like telling your friends at the ball game, "My wife didn't put mayonnaise on my sandwich," and I, you know, she's just not submitting. But most of the time, now I don't, I don't ever say anything like that. I like to make my own sandwiches because I, <laughs> I like how they taste better, you know. Um, no offense, <laughs> Courtney. See, see, <laughs> let me back up. <laughs> Courtney, uh, Courtney doesn't like sandwiches, so she she's not a professional sandwich maker like me. That's that's what I meant to say. But uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> what I'm saying is giving up your, um, you know, yourself is not normal. Um, and, and a lot of times we look at submission, and that, that seems to be like that's more of an obvious issue, non-submissiveness. But most of the time, uh, the reason that there's a lack of submission is because there's a lack of leadership. So husbands, the bulk of the weight of this passage is on you. Wives are to be submissive, but they can't submit if there's not a leader to submit to. So understand that, that God is calling you to lead first and the wife to submit second. Leadership is the, the role that you take on. And if there's a lack of submission, then it's probably not your wife's fault. It's probably your fault. So uh, consider that next time you are uh, in an argument or something. Just argue with yourself before you argue with your wife. So I want you to look at uh, Philippians 2. Uh, verse 3 as an example of uh, just the submission that we see or uh, I should say the the giving up that we see through the example of Christ in uh, in chapter 2 verse 3 in Philippians Paul writes do nothing from rivalry or conceit 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So I catch that. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, this is, this is the mind that husbands are to have. It says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see what? That Jesus was equal with God. The equality was God, with God was something that he had, but he didn't consider it something to be grasped. He didn't consider it the thing that he had to obtain, but he made himself what? The text says made himself nothing, taking on the role of a servant. Husbands, that's you. Wives are to submit to your leadership, but you're a servant to your wife as you are a leader to your wife. It's sacrificial leadership, not selfish leadership. Selfish leadership is easy. I know y'all have all had bosses where it's like, now look, your job is to make me look good so I don't have to do anything, you know? <laughs> They're out there. Uh, but it's all about uh, sacrificial leadership. Now, I'm a, I got a good story of selfish leadership that I'm gonna tell you. Uh, now this, is, this is me at my worst. Uh, so the other night, what night was? Tuesday or Wednesday, I, I got home from work, and Courtney has a couple of small businesses that she does, so she has to do a lot of work at home, so when she's home with the boys, I'm telling you, you can't get anything done when they're there. You can't even, like, go to the bathroom. They're just everywhere. <laughs> so I got home from work, and she said, well, I need you to watch the boys so I can get some work done. And I was like, got it. I can do it. Uh, you know, I, I can handle this, uh, but, oh, boy. So, you know, Watching crew, I turn on Finding Nemo, and he gets kind of in this, a trance, and it's like Nemo, and you know he's he's just doing his thing, watching TV, watching Gray. He's you know put him in his little bouncer chair, give him a giraffe, his little Sophie to hold, and you know he's just sitting there bouncing, and life is good. And then I hear my phone go da 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 da, and I'm like, what? ESPN is calling me, and it's <laughs> it. It was, the, it was the night that the Tigers played Oklahoma basketball. I'm like, oh, boy. Because I'd, I'd seen before I got home that it was a close game. Like, oh, I like, must go to the phone. So I go get my phone. Crew and Gray, they're still in their trance. And I'm like, oh. And, you know, it goes to the little ESPN thing, and there's a video. It's like fast break, slam dunk, one-handed, shatters glass, changes the world. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got to watch this video. So I click on the video, and, it, you know, it's like buffering. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, we got Comcast, and y'all know how that is. So, uh, so then I start a transition from Baby Watcher to Comcast Anger. So I'm mad about my phone, mad about the internet. I'm walking around, you know, like trying to get a signal. Like, come on, like I got to watch the slam dunk video. And so about the time that I'm, you know, wandering around trying to get internet signal, I turn around and Courtney's standing in the door. And she's like, Will, what are you doing? And I look over and Cruz like hanging upside down by the fan and Grace, <laughs> you know, just like slumped in his chair. I'm like, 
Oh, boy, I have messed up this time. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, no child was hurt in the, in the process. Uh, Kruger is very resilient. He bounces. So, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, we see the, like, the natural tendency is to say, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gratify myself. When you see a need come into your life, say, okay, I, what do I do to meet this need? And, you know, I, I mean, I know myself, so I know I tend to be selfish when I see things that I want or know things that I, I think I need, and I kind of go in the direction of what's the best route for me. But what Paul is saying is, husbands, give your life up for your church, as, or for your wife, as Christ gave his life up for the church. You look at the life of Jesus, and there was never a time that he spent it selfishly. He spent it with people. He spent it with children. He spent it teaching and preaching. Even though he was God, he could have done whatever he wanted. You know, he could have kicked back with the Mountain Dew and just, and just waited till it was redemption time. But he knew that his job was to be the one that gave up, the one that ultimately made that perfect picture of sacrifice. And husbands, that's what we have. We have the, the job to be sacrificial towards our wives. It's not about what you want to do. It's about how can you provide, how can you love, how can you cherish, how can you look after, how can you make your wife feel secure. Your job is for your wife. So, man, guys, I'm telling you, understand that. Your job is to take care of your wife. I'll never forget, uh, it was a, in the, like the six years or however long it's been that we've been married, we've been, it's kind of like on a, it's a, it's a weird road. Uh, so this is this is practical. You don't have to write any of this down. Uh, but you know we've seen we've seen God do strange things in our lives and things in our lives that uh, to us didn't seem to make sense. You know I've been kind of like on the I guess the the job hunt for a few years, just trying to find the balance of like okay how do I do what I feel called to do, but at the same time provide for my family. And so we always I mean for for a while. I don't know, we just kind of felt, like as a couple, felt lost uh, in a way. But the, the problem was that we were dealing, Courtney and I were dealing with it, uh, like, each separately. You know, when, like, when I have an issue, I tend to, like, I'm going to go cut down a tree and I feel better. Uh, but, you know, women are way more complicated than that. Uh, so we were dealing with it separately. Uh, and there was a, a night when Courtney came to me. And I'll never forget it. She said, Will, I need you to lead me. And I was like, ooh, boy. <laughs> um, I, d- I told myself I wasn't going to get uh, allergies up here, but <laughs> some, uh, I think it's the uh, leftover pumpkin or something. But like, when, you know, when your wife comes to you in a submissive role and says, I need you to be the leader, man, it's, uh, you know, it's eye-opening mm, because, uh, you know, you realize your job as a husband is not uh, it's not you know whether uh, you feel valued but whether your wife does it's not a tell a joke or something. <laughs> uh, it's not about whether you're comfortable or satisfied. It's whether your wife is. So, uh, 
you know, we've, we've, we've learned a lot of what leadership looks like and uh, what submissiveness looks like. But, I want, you know, husbands specifically, speaking to you, know that your job is to give up. Your job is to do what you have to do, um, not to make yourself happy with, you know, things or work or whatever, but to, to live your life for your wife. Uh, Paul goes on to say uh, to the husbands, he says, uh, to love your wife as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Now, this, this is an easy example because it's kind of funny. So, yeah, everybody loves their own body. That's normal. It says, husbands, love your wives as you do yourself. Now, I know, I, like, Miles, you're looking good today. Super good. Uh, uh, so, I, you know, I know when Miles got up this morning, he's like, man, it's a good look day. So, you know, you comb your hair, you get out your... Your special socks, yeah, yeah, they look good. Um, but yeah, you, know, you invest. Now, for me, on the other hand, like I'm making sure my bald spot didn't get bigger overnight. <laughs> shave, I shaved this morning, but uh, no, just kidding. But you know, there's that there's that time that we invest in ourselves, and you know, we all do it. Um, but Paul's saying, love your wife as yourself. And there's this self love, man. It runs deep. You know, you can you can cut off your arms and your legs, and you're still going to love yourself because you're yourself. Uh, but Paul's saying, love your wife as you love your own flesh. Love your wife more than you love uh, your, your family or your, you know, your, your kids or your dogs. Love your wife as yourself, as Christ loved the church. And I just want you to just walk away with uh, the, the reflection of how much Christ loves you. And how much he gave up so that you might live. Uh, you know, it points back to um, Ephesians 2, you know, which we went over uh, a few weeks ago. Just the, the richest, the richness of God's mercy and, and how he gave up for us. So just be reminded of the, the measure of grace and love that it took for God to give up his life for, for you. And husbands, I'm telling you, apply that to your lives. Apply it. Don't be... A selfish leader. Don't lead because there's things that you want and you're going to steer your wife in that direction. Be a sacrificial leader. Do what's best for your family, uh, physically and spiritually. Lead your wife. Pray with your wife. Spend time in the Word with your wife. Uh, man, it's important to lead your family in that time where you uh, commit to God. That's your job, to lead your wife. You know, not necessarily... Uh, towards physical comfort, but spiritual comfort. Not necessarily towards uh, physical well-being, but spiritual well-being. Your job is to lead your wife towards Jesus. You are the provider. 90% in the sense that you're providing a spiritual glimpse for your wife to follow. You are the example in your relationship. Wives, remember that your job is to submit to the leadership of your husband. Now, if your husband's not leading, you have my permission to tell him you got to lead. You know, it's your job as the one who submits. It's okay to point out and say, "Hey, you're, you're doing a bad job, buddy." <laughs> and uh, most of the time, they'll straighten up. If not, send them to me, and we'll we'll work it out. <laughs> um, but I just, I, my desire for you is for you to to grab hold, uh, mostly of just a picture of 
Jesus and how that permeates, how it reflects into the marriage relationship. And in turn, how the marriage reflects that. So remember, okay, so you're married. Your job, as we transition into the next slide, into the purpose of marriage. So we see in God's plan for marriage, how, how God has designed marriage to look like uh, the relationship between God the Father, between God and us. He's designed marriage to look like Him. Marriage was the foundational relationship. God didn't make uh, a friend. He didn't make a brotato for Adam, you know, so they could watch football and shoot deer together. Uh, he, he made a wife for Adam because not only because Adam needed a helper in the sense that women are, are good for men because they, they keep us in line, but also in the sense that it was his, God's picture, God's ordained picture of the relationship that most closely modeled the relationship that we have with Jesus. So marriage is it's huge. It carries a weight that is phenomenal. It's not something that, you know, you play around with the, the definition of or try to change. God ordained marriage to be what it is and to be effective in the fact that it, it fills and reflects his love. So finally, we're going to look at God's purpose for marriage. And again, it's just to reflect the gospel. Colossians 1, 21 through 23, it talks about how we were far off but we were reconciled to God. We were brought back, brought close to God because of what he had done for us. So marriage reflects the gospel. It also reflects God's relationship with the church. First Peter 2, 2 through 12. If you just wanna write these down and um, check them out later, I'm just gonna cover them real quick. But it talks about how um, Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected, but he has become the chief cornerstone. And then he goes on to relate the people, followers of Christ to living stones being built up into the church. So God, God's relationship with the church is that he builds us up. You know, we are the church. God's church is not a temple or a building. It's his, it's his body. It's his people. God is building us up into uh, sanctification, into perfection. So what he's saying is, as I build up the church, you build up your wife. It's the reflection. And it's also to establish a picture for all other relationships to follow. And we see that in Ephesians 6. Now, I'm not gonna go into this too much because that's gonna be the sermons for next week. So just to give you something to hang on to to come back. Um, but to the, you know, the people that aren't married uh, and even the people that are, this, this doesn't stop with your marriage. You know, It doesn't stop with just you and your wife. It carries over into every relationship that you have in your life. I want you to uh, just real quick look back uh, into a verse we touched on last week. If you look at 520, uh, yeah, 520, it says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's talking to everybody, not just wives, not just husbands. Paul's saying we are all called to submit to others because Ultimately, our job is to be a reflector of the Savior. Our job is to reflect Jesus, not only in our marriage, but in every aspect, every walk of our life. So my encouragement to you, uh, if, if you aren't married, is to look at marriage as an example. In the husband-wife relationship, how does the wife's role apply to my life and relationships with other people? How does the husband's role teach me 
to be more sacrificial, to be a better leader, to be uh, one who gives up for others. So, man, the, the depth of marriage is, is man, well, it's deep. You know? uh, what else can you say? And there's so much that you can gain from it. There's so much that you can learn from it. But more than anything, um, I hope that today that you, you take away what Jesus has done uh, for you and for us and how we're not called to live uh, in the same way. We're called to live in a new way. We're to live as an example of Christ in everything that we do. And I hope uh, in your marriage and in your relationships you see that. And so we're just going to transition uh, into a time of, of prayer, reflection, and I, I really just want to give you a chance um, just, to, just to talk to God. Say, God, where am I at as a husband? Am I leading my family? Am I, am I leading sacrificially? And if I'm leading selfishly, show me how I can change it. Wives, give you a chance to reflect and say, am I being submissive uh, in my relationship to my husband? Am I allowing him to lead? Am I giving him a chance to uh, you know, be the... Um, the head of our family. Am I fulfilling my role? And for those of that you, for those of you that that aren't married or um, thinking about getting married or wherever you are, um, I just hope that as you as you take this time to reflect, uh, just to ask yourself: Am I living a life that points to Christ? Am I relating to other people as Jesus would, or am I living a, a life that's selfish and? tainted. Um, so as, as Robbie plays and uh, you just enter into a time of prayer, um, you know, just meet with God and he'll meet you where you are. Just allow him to, to speak into your heart.